2: Well, good afternoon. This is Joanne Forrester, President of the Pennsylvania Women's Hall of Achievement. And this is a series of Women's Voices Hear Them Speak. We are doing interviews of women who have been featured in a series of calendars that we we have done. Uh, The Women's Hall of Achievement has a very particular mission. It is a 501c3 organization, which is dedicated to preserving women's history and educating and highlighting the achievements of women in Pennsylvania. I'm the president, Joanne Forrester, and I'm going to introduce my vice president and uh, good friend, and who was one of the first um, women who was a certified uh, <laughs> financial, financial planner. Point. Yeah. Hello. And, yeah. Um, Yeah, this is Bonnie DiCarlo. And uh, Bonnie, thank you for joining me on the Women's Voices Hear Them Speak, a project of the Pennsylvania Women's Hall of
1: Achievement. Thanks, Joanne. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, We work together very well, except when we interrupt each other. Uh, I am here today to introduce Cecile Springer, who is our February Woman of Achievement star in our 2020 calendar. Cecile Springer is a native of Brooklyn, and she has just a fantastic history here in Pittsburgh. Uh, She got her degrees uh, in uh, chemistry from Wellesley. She went on to research at Bristol Myers. She was the great, great uh, leader of the foundation of Westinghouse Corporation here in Pittsburgh that gave a lot of money and information to uh, community uh, organizations. She started her own company Uh, and it was on strategic planning. It was called Springer Associates, and she and her husband, Eric, have lived here in Pittsburgh for many, many years. Cecile has won a zillion awards, uh, including the uh, Racial Justice Award from the YWCA of Greater Pittsburgh. She was the Spirit of the 19th Amendment Award, which was given by Celebrate and Share. She's the distinguished daughter of Pennsylvania, and she is at my alumna, carla university was named a woman of spirit so cecile springer uh you are now on and the first question is tell us a little bit about yourself wow just a little bit (laughs) well first of all i am a brooklyn native
0: and i moved here when i got married in 1968 and i'm just so pleased to be asked to talk to you guys uh One of my failings is that I'm just very inquisitive. And because I moved to Pittsburgh from New York when I first got here, I found this to be less than a sleepy town. And I needed to find out more about what was going on. So my first venture was to become a member of the League of Women Voters of Pittsburgh. And what was so wonderful about that venture was that the members of the League were just like me. There were wives of men who were teaching or in business, but all had independent heads. And any one of them could have been mayor or governor of the Commonwealth. So I was very lucky to have selected a group that right away opened doors to me. But opening doors meant that you had to do the research. And since I'm a chemist research was right up my alley so I'm delighted to be part of the interviewees and also part of the calendar for this year
2: Um, I have a question Uh, you said you started out as a researcher what intrigued you um, about that got you involved in that a lot of young women weren't involved in that
0: I went to work for Sharing Pharmaceutical in New Jersey, and they were developing pharmaceuticals. And so in order to understand the nature of pharmaceuticals, I had to do a lot of research to find out what kinds of chemicals were being developed for what kinds of issues that people were facing medically. And it was interesting when I went to work for Sharing Pharmaceuticals I had a master's degree, which meant that I couldn't be just a lowly chemist. They had to acknowledge the fact that <laughs> this young woman had not only graduated college with a degree in chemistry, but had gone on and gotten a master's. In order to get a master's, you have to do independent study. So I was very familiar with chemicals and, and compounds. And it was just wonderful to have been given the go-ahead to explore all these compounds that uh, sharing Pharmaceutical had. And then I was to determine what could be uh, made out of some of the chemicals. What, what could I do with a chemical to make it different to see if it had any biological impacts? And what I didn't know Was that the sharing pharmaceutical had almost like a farm, and on this farm were animals that would be would be the basis upon which the whatever chemical I made would be injected in them, and then you'd see what the outcome was. So I it was just wonderful. I felt so powerful, fresh out of university with a master's. That was quite
1: a. Go ahead, Monica, please. No, I was going to say that was quite an experience for you. When you came to Pittsburgh, you joined the League of Women Voters, you said, but what about the opportunities for a real uh, for, um, you know, work, for a, um, for a career? How, how did you get into that?
0: Well, I came to Pittsburgh with a master's in chemistry, and mm-hmm. it meant that uh, I had to find a job. I could not sit at mm-hmm. home with a master's. And my husband at the time was working at the University of Pittsburgh at the Graduate School of Public Health. And I found a job there doing research that applied to people in communities and their nutritional needs because I was in the Department of Nutrition and Chemistry. And that was wonderful because I had already been working in New Jersey as a full-time chemist making products that were then being tested but now I was to see in my research how what one ate had impact on energy as well as well-being because I was in the Department of, of Nutrition and Energy. And it was wonderful to see that I could take my chemical skills from New Jersey and apply them in very different ways at the university. So what I would do is find a chemical or a compound that had been used for, say, uh, uh, to have some kind of a bodily effect, maybe make persons who are over-excited or over-active less active, and uh, test the chemical on animals first, and then on subjects to see whether or not it really had the the effect that we had wished. That was wonderful. I didn't do the testing. I made the compounds. But I would find out, I'd get results back from the tests, and I would then be uh, urged to increase the chemical activity if it had a low effect on people. So I had to figure out where I was and what, what the wow. chemicals, what what would a different chemical uh, that I could write out on paper, how could I make it and then test it. So I was so excited. It was so exciting, exciting to be this chemist in Pittsburgh. All, let's see, I must have been 24, 25 years old. <laughs> so I enjoyed wow. this capacity that I had. It was very exciting. (laughs) So then
1: did this lead to your opportunities at Westinghouse?
0: Well, what happened was I decided uh, I was working as soon as I came to Pittsburgh from New York, married. Then we had children, so I was home for a while. And when Mm -hmm. I decided to go back to work when the kids were in school, I was able to get a job with Westinghouse. Westinghouse Electric at that time, and I was in the area of product development. They had a, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't really remember the, the, the aspects of the uh, chemical. I think it had was it had food uh, aspects to it, and it was used to gain weight. So again, I was making products that had a biological consequence. But soon after that, I, because I became very interested in what the community was doing, I was able to get a job as president, At was finally, of the Westinghouse Foundation because I was very involved with the community. And the president of the corporation found out that I was I was very engrossed (laughs) in things that was going on in the community, even though I was working full-time. And that's how I became the president of the Westinghouse Contributions and Community Affairs, which was wonderful because here was an opportunity to do something directly with money from the corporation. But I had to figure out how to do it. So I decided it was not appropriate for me just to out of nowhere, decide there's an organization that we should be working with, what I did was to find out what was the leadership, who were the leaders in volunteerism in the corporation, and what were the organizations that they were working with. And I'm so glad I did that because we had very bright young people that worked at Westinghouse who were spending a lot of time in the community leading projects, at the YMCA, at the YWCA, at organizations that were pantries or youthful, youth leadership organizations. And just finding out what they were doing provided me with a leverage for them because Westinghouse had grants to make, but also made Westinghouse look like they knew they were doing because these were seasoned employees who were voluntarily using their time to make advances and changes and uplifting the communities where they lived. It was fabulous just to, just to see how these employees could change what was going on in their communities. So what I did was make sure that we could leverage what they were doing with funds when they needed it. And that's how we got House involved in community development all throughout Western Pennsylvania.
1: You were, and that was extremely important. You had a, a large uh, amount of money there that you were distributing, but I love the way you talked about how you researched the people who worked for Westinghouse to see what they were involved in, because that made them a part of this outreach, and that must have been very exactly. helpful to them in the community um, where they were volunteering. I just thought that was a fantastic well, thing. I've... Go ahead. What was what was so
0: wonderful was to see how they grew themselves. They were so proud suddenly, or not suddenly, really. They had been mm-hmm. working for years in the community, but to be recognized for what they were doing and to be accompanied by grant money so they could start new programs within some of their social service areas was remarkable. It was just wonderful to see how proud they were. And what was also very interesting to me is that I made sure that if an, if an employee wanted to get a grant from the Westinghouse Foundation, they had to inform the top person at the site that they were submitting a proposal, and that makes sure that the top person at the site understood what the employee was doing. Mm-hmm. Well, you do that for a couple of years, and the right. employees all got promotions.
1: Absolutely. Because they were being
0: seen as innovators in the community, and it reflected back on what they were doing for Westinghouse. So you had these wonderful relationships between employees and the head of the plant. And the head of the plant just felt so proud that he is now learning what employees were doing (laughs) that we were Mm -hmm. really having a, a renaissance of sorts within the corporation. Right, right.
1: I think you were a first there with your position at that foundation, weren't you? Say that were again. You first, were you the first woman that headed up that foundation? or? Correct,
0: correct. I was the That's first woman thought. to do so.
1: Where, where and what's interesting
0: others? is that if you are smart as a woman, the fact that you are a woman makes you very visible to begin with. But if you make sure that everybody feels that they have access and are involved in the grant-making process, it's amazing. Every door is open to them, and they would always, always open a door for me.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. So after your position there at Westinghouse, Cecile, uh, at the foundation, um, I believe, is that when you started your own um, corporation, your uh, your strategic planning? Well, what happened was uh, I
0: decided at 63 I think I was 63 years old to retire. I had done everything that I wanted to do at Westinghouse and there was really no place for me to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, the company was just changing and I didn't want to be a sore thumb. So I thought the best thing I could do was retire. Well, what do you do with all this energy? So I decided Mm -hmm. to form my own corporation and I called it uh, Springer Associates, and I considered it to be a very new, I call it innovative organization that could provide comprehensive support to nonprofits. And in essence, what I did was to see to it that my clients, these nonprofit organizations, started out by identifying their mission, making, making them understand exactly why they were doing what they were doing make sure that they could articulate to the community what they wanted to do, show them how they could get support from foundations or government agencies, and make them as effective organizations in the community as they possibly could. And boy, did I become successful. Because I didn't, first of all, when they wanted to know how much I was going to charge them, I couldn't think to charge. So here I was <laughs> a free consultant in, the West, in Western
1: Pennsylvania, and boy, did people come flocking to my door. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, it's interesting because you started this out by saying how active you wanted to be in the community when you moved to Pittsburgh and find out. So you really got involved with a lot of the nonprofits through your organization, but you also were totally involved in community... Um, opportunities here on your own. Talk about some of those and the organizations that you belong to. Oh. It. <laughs> some of the, volu- some That's of the volunteering. Interesting. There's a zillion of them. Oh, there were you know, so many. Let me think. Yeah.
0: Well, the League yeah. was always a favorite of mine because mm-hmm. it was women really changing government and making sure that everybody understood their motives. And at the same time, not only including, but educating the community about what they were doing. I was also... Uh, the one organization that I just loved was the Women and Girls Foundation of Southwest Pennsylvania. I was chair because I caused it in a way to become, become an organization. When I left Westinghouse, it was important for me to have women become leaders in whatever they were doing. But at the same time, I felt it was important that young women understood what what leadership meant and what they could do in the community. So we started the Women and Girls Foundation of Southwest Pennsylvania and made sure that young women were on the board and that other women would see to it that they just could stir up the community in different ways. It was just wonderful. And I stayed chairman for about two years, and then I moved on.
1: <laughs> but at Did the same you? time... I was, I was at your house for that ahead. first um, organizational meeting for the Women and oh, Girls good. Foundation. Yeah. And we were careful
0: to understand what we wanted to do, if you remember. We, were looking to, we wanted to articulate our charter... Or our mission Absolutely,
2: extremely yeah, well. mm-hmm. right. Cecile, when you talk about I, go ahead. Bonnie, I'd like to ask this question: Cecile, when you talk about leadership and looking at the young women that you have worked with, and today, uh, what skills do you see that they need to learn? That you know, the uh, What's the most outstanding characteristics you see that women need to learn?
0: The first thing that you have to know is why you're there. What is your mission? And if you don't know what your mission is, you can just flail forever. So if I become the chair of the Women and Girls Foundation, the mission was to see to it that women were trained to be leaders in organizations in town, and that young women understood what they had what power they had in being part of an organization. Again, mission, mission, mission. You have to know why you're there. And I think if I did anything, that's what I constantly saw to it, that if we wanted to do something you knew why you were there. Uh,
2: Bonnie, go ahead.
1: Yeah, there were some other organizations I know way back when, and I'm going back in my mind now. There was a dialogue organization that was held, an in interracial dialogue at St. Paul's Cathedral many, many years ago. And uh, I right. think that you and perhaps Eric were both a part of that. Um, right. How, how, yes, uh, just say a couple words about that at that time. It was in the 70s, I believe. And I'm, what is the name of that organization? It was the. It was, uh, a, it was a, a discussion group uh, that was uh, the St. Paul's Cathedral had put together um, because of all the problems with the race race problems that we were having in the city. Right, right. And it was race, a, it was it race and went, reconciliation dialogue group. Finally, yeah. That thank you. What That's what it was. was. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the race and reconciliation dialogue group was first started at St. Paul's Cathedral because I felt that we had to have conversations about black Catholics. When, we, when I would go to Mass, I'll never forget, the first time I went to Mass at St. Paul's Cathedral, I sat near the front because I needed to. I would like to be part of what's going on, so I sat near the front. Mm-hmm. And by the time communion came, I was there. I was in a sea of loneliness. There was nobody near where I was seated. And I had never oh, wow. experienced that before coming from Brooklyn.
2: I mean, we mm-hmm. are
0: all a, a group in Brooklyn, and mm-hmm. here I am, seated and looking good now. I, d- I never go to church unless I look gorgeous. And here I am sitting gorgeously all by myself by the, near the front. So what I did after that was go a little later and go in the middle of a group because they couldn't move. And then <sighs> I would make sure that I introduced myself around. They can't, You can't do that to me. Wow. So, uh and then realized there was sensitivity, and we formed the Race and Reconciliation Dialogue Group. Because I knew some of the people uh, that went to St. Paul's Cathedral outside of St. Paul's. And so as I knew that they, became, if they were Catholic, I invited them all to join me in this group. And what we would do is have seminars, and we would have it in the church so everybody knew what we looked like, and invite people to come. And by golly, people came. So we finally had an organization that could reach out to other churches or even reach out to some of the black communities that had Catholic churches in them. And we would form discussion groups. We had a weekend once where we had uh, speakers come and talk to us. We were, and at the same time, uh, some of the priests wanted to make sure we would not become R and R's rabble rousers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> of course, you couldn't, have a which we did rouser, not. Right.
0: We we did not become rabble rousers, but we were able to be very inclusive, and I'm still very proud of that. Uh, that uh, what was also wonderful is that Albert Pitt in the social work school were a number of scholars who were Catholic, and we inc- invited them over, so we became very smart meaning that when we would have meetings, the meetings would always have a speaker, and the speaker would then introduce us to a new concept of how people get integrated in communities with leadership. So I was very proud of that. That was the Race and Reconciliation Dialogue group.
1: Yeah. Also, I think at the University of Pittsburgh, were you involved with any of the people from other countries who were there at the school in that program? or Oh, the international. Uh, there was an international program, organization. Yes.
0: I can't remember the full name of it. But, yes, Eric and I were part of that, simply because Eric's mother had been a delegate from the mm-hmm. ILGWU, the International Ladies Garment Workers Union, yep.
1: to Ada Africa. And she often <laughs>
0: would... Huh?
1: Ada Springer, right? That was
0: my mother-in-law was Ada Springer, right? Very well-known woman, Mm -hmm. and so we became the center of international discussions by making sure if there were international students at Pitt that we reached out to them, and so we always were able to find wonderful people, and these are some of them are PhDs who were invited to come to Pitt to uh, work for the Graduate School of Public Health, for example, or the international de- departments, because you'd, you'd see international students ro- roaming throughout the university. But we made sure that we reached out to them and invited them to come and speak to us, become members with yeah. us, and we just had a very engaged opportunity for a number of international efforts.
1: Mm-hmm. We also know that Pittsburgh at times, can be a not very open community to people of color. And I wonder if you would say a little bit, one of, the, one of the wonderful things that happened was that you and Eric were actually entered into the Oakmont Country Club. But I'll bet that was a little oh. bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that's another... another uh, Cecile wants something, she's going to go get it. Uh, Eric and I are golfers. And the, the the golf club in town that was ranked highest is the Oakland Oakland. I'm sorry, Oak Oakmont, Oakmont Country Club. And we weren't interested in the country club side, but we certainly were in the Oakmont Golf Club because they were so well known not only locally but nationally. Mm-hmm. So after a while, we had become members of a local golf club. But I said to Eric you know, why don't we try to become a member at Oakmont? If we can afford it, why don't we try it? But you know how things can work. There were a number of people who were members at Oakmont who were also associated with the University of Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. or with Carlo or with some other organization. So it turned out when we went up and suggested that we'd like to become members, what they did was to hand us their membership book. And said, "Would I? Would we look through it to find out if there were members that would like to recommend us for membership? Well, there were a number of
2: <laughs> jurists.
0: There was the Supreme Court justice that knew Eric up there. I mean, mm-hmm. there were the club was a super club, so it had mm-hmm. wonderful people as members, and they knew us, and we knew them. So we had a great." I think we went through the book and found five outstanding individuals and asked them to recommend us for members. And sure enough, they did, and we became members. Everybody was um, surprised, shocked us even. But we became members, and we're still members.
2: We don't go up as often,
0: but we certainly stay. Mm -hmm. And of course, Mm -hmm. uh, we're outstandingly well known because of the fact that we're the only African-American couple. But we act just like anybody else, so it works. <laughs> yeah. Right. And
2: so, that was,
1: well, yes.
2: Yeah. One of the things I hear that you have done as a strategy is that you have made sure that you are reaching out and you're getting involved and that you don't limit yourself to who you I talk I try to. not to.
0: I try not to. Uh, I find that people are super-duper, that people are really wonderful individuals. And if you ask them to do something, they'll do it. But what's even more important, I like to know who people are. And so you Mm -hmm. find that if you just sit down, one of my favorite gambits is have lunch with me. I love lunch. Because you can sit down anywhere and find out what attributes are. We've gotten to be very friendly with uh, a number of uh, leaders in the Pittsburgh area, all the, only because of that. We're just interested in who they are, and as it turns out, they're interested in who we are. And I must say that we, Eric and I, when you put our port- portfolios together, we've done a lot of things. And Eric has been outstanding in health law. Uh, his firm was the first firm that had as its mission to work with health organizations from a legal mm. point of view, and there was a, at the time that they started, Congress was just beginning to take a look at hospitals and health organizations and wanted to start to craft legislation around them. So it was wonderful to have Eric 's organization part of the resource that Congress felt was important for them to talk to as they were trying to craft the legislation. The legislation could have been all about what you can't do, coming from a legislative point of view, but with Eric's firm's involvement, it was more what the the health community could do. And I Mm -hmm. think that was a wonderful contribution that they made.
2: So the public health right now, is the number one target um just some what we're going through right now. It would be interesting. Um I wish he was practicing still to be involved. <laughs>
0: you know? Right, right. Well I'm glad in a way that he
2: isn't because
0: the change has been so graphic.
1: Yeah and mm-hmm. so
0: so big. So it's interesting. He he now has a paternal <laughs> view of what's going on. Mm-hmm.
1: Were you, so uh, um, the main
0: thing that I want uh, to you all uh, would like people to know about me is that I'm really a strategic planner, and I think always in mission, projects, plans, and accomplishments. And I've been very happy with what I've done because of that. I always feel that get me into in, get me involved in something and there will be an outcome. So I feel very good about that.
1: And there are a lot of people who have accomplished a lot because you have taught them that, Cecile. And they're well,
0: I've i I hope that my strategic uh inclinations really causes outcomes that you can measure. And so I'm really mm-hmm. very pleased about that. That's like one a thing research. I haven't told you all about is uh, the fact that we travel. We used to travel a lot. Mm. What was also interesting was that over time, I made sure that we went on, we were at every continent except the South Pole. (laughs) We even (laughs) went to the North Pole. But we've been all over Europe. We've been uh, northern part of Africa, the southern part of Africa. My sister uh, left Brooklyn and became a... uh, citizen of Italy, and married an Italian, so we, of course we were in Italy a lot. We uh, were also the international family here with a student from Norway, so we've been to Norway a lot. And just because of our my mother's background, uh, she is West Indian from Barbados, so we've been to Barbados and a number of the islands in the Caribbean. We've been to South America. As I, as I said, we've been all over Europe. And it's been just a wonderful life that Eric and I have left. Because if you're determined to do something, it's amazing. That works. Eric has spoken uh, in a number of countries with his health law. And so that's been a, a, a venture too. We've been very lucky and very um, determined <laughs> mm-hmm. to do a lot. And, and mm-hmm. it, it has worked out. It's working right. Out.
1: Good. Say a couple words about your family, um, your daughter. and they, Oh,
0: right. Well, we have two children, a boy mm-hmm. and a girl, and Brian, our son, who is now 56, can you believe that, has been a traveler, just moved back to Pittsburgh from California because he said he wanted to be with his parents, make sure that they were okay. And that was nice, because it made, made me feel as though there were things that I needed to get done, and he could do them for me. <laughs> right, yeah.
1: Because <Good>. <laughs> that worked.
0: And our daughter is a poet, and has a son who is an actor type. So they've been doing a lot of uh, plays in the community. But she is just wonderful with her ability to plan uh, plays or uh, community developments. So to see them make their mark on the Pittsburgh arena has been just wonderful. I'm very pleased. So the, all the Springers uh, have, are, have, I think, made contributions. But the thing that frames my... Uh, wanting to do things. It still is from my mother, who was from Barbados, and my father was from Panama and uh, was Spanish-speaking when he first came to the United States. So I've had quite an international background just growing up.
1: Did your mother work outside the home when she was here?
0: My mother was a dress designer. She was, uh, when she first came to the United States, she went to school so that she could be designer of dresses or outfits and had her own firm that made clothes when I was growing up.
2: My grandmother had her own, she was trained to be a milliner, and she made um, hats and they had a store in uh, downtown. Right, right. so that was fascinating. Wow. I would like you know, I would like to ask who are the women that were your mentors.
0: My mother in law was my
2: main mentor
0: because she she was the international representative for the FFL CIO mm-hmm. with Africa as her uh, mm-hmm. haunting ground. And mm-hmm. very independent woman, very, very bright, gorgeously dressed all the time. So she was definitely uh, a mentor, and I was very lucky that my husband had such a mother. But my main mentor was my own mother, who was very businesslike, uh, very precise, gorgeous, Uh, came from a family that was the family of Barbados. Her father was chief of police for the island, and so everybody knew them. And she became the family's uh, planner when all of her siblings all emigrated to the United States and she was the last one there. And so she knew how to run a household. and She knew how to run, a, uh, a, in essence, a farm because the family had a lot of land and they grew animals and they, had, uh, they also grew vegetables. So she had a business head all her own. And when she came to the United States and became a dress designer, she, as I said, she had her own firm. And she had her own firm during uh, at the end of at the end of the def- depression, because I was born mm-hmm. in 1930. Don't tell anybody. And it was in the early 30s that she was doing her own manufacturing, which was a very tough time to be out there independently. But she did. She she managed to get through the 30s and into the 40s. No, so wow. I, I, those two women were in essence my go-to women who were very, very independent and very businesslike. So I was very lucky.
1: You know, Cecile, every generation, as we say, stands on the shoulders of those that go before. And you are certainly Absolutely. one of the women that, the women in Pittsburgh and in the country uh, whose shoulders we stand on for the work that you have done. And I hopefully that will continue. Well, if I've done nothing more than
0: tell everybody that they have to have their own strategic plan, and understand who they are, what they are, where they want to go, and do it. and if that's my contribution, then I'm very happy.
2: Uh, we are starting to um, I booked an hour, and we're getting close, so uh, I would like to, as a wrap up, Cecile, and then Bonnie, I'd like you to do a wrap up too, about what you would like people to know. Uh, what would you like women? young women today to focus on, Cecile? I, wanted, I would like young
0: women to focus on their innate ability to be leaders and to recognize the fact. Look in the mirror and say, I am a leader and I am going to be able to do specific things. I want to make sure that women know how to work. They can become leaders at work. I want them to be leaders within the educational field. If they want to be a teacher, then they have to be a leader. You just can't sit back and say, I want somebody to show me how to do everything. I think that women are natural leaders, but we don't recognize it. So if I were to do anything, nothing more than force women to look in the mirror and say, I can do anything I set my mind to do. That's that's my challenge.
1: Cecile, if you had been born... Uh, 50 years later, I would put you up for president of the United States. Um, <laughs> you know yeah. what? 50 years later, I might, j- might just want to run. <laughs> Believe me, I know so that. That's why I'm saying that, because you are determined, and you have been involved in campaigns and in helping women in the political arena. Uh, and, Correct. Uh, it's, right, and that's, you know, it's been uh, great that you uh, have also been in that field. But I really think that you would be my first candidate. The strategic planning does it. <laughs> the management. Uh, you well, you know what was that? wonderful.
0: I was the first chair of the current mayor's run for the mayoralty. So I was oh, really? very pleased when he said, "Yeah, I was. I was the chair of his committee." I didn't know that. Though I he did. had to train me to figure out how to do that, but he won. So I was so mm-hmm. pleased.
1: Very well, good. Well, um, yes, and uh, a number of women have run because and and have won because you have gotten behind them, and so that's really that's really very good to see, and that will that will continue. I'm hoping that uh, when you say round up, I'm I really like what you said, Cecile, about looking in the mirror. I often say a man gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror, and says I can be president, and a woman gets up and looks right. in the mirror and says. Hmm, wonder what I'm going to think about that. <laughs> um, so it, 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 but not all of us do that, so we can't
0: say you're right, that. There are you're a lot right. of women and out more there and still.
1: More, more and more are not doing that. that. More That's and a more, really great, exactly thing. Yes. right. And like I said, it's um, it's just wonderful that we have women uh, that that um, Pennsylvania Women's Hall of Achievement and celebrate and share both honored. Uh, many women of achievement in the area, but you are one of the specials. And if anybody has a twenty twenty calendar, Cecile Springer is our February star in our twenty twenty And I look gorgeous. I look like I'm and ready you to look be February. Listen, when, when you said when you said that you were always dressed gorgeous when you went to church, that is no exception. You are always dressed gorgeously. <laughs> you well uh, thank you, you said thank that you. About your mother when you said that about your mother-in-law, about Maida, uh, I thought, oh, no, I have to say that about Cecile. Anytime we've met, you just look like out of a fashion plate, Cecile. You are great. Well, just uh, understand the have- background.
0: My mother made all my clothes yep. and when mm-hmm. I was growing up. And if you could imagine the skinny thing, uh, <laughs> I was very, very thin. But she would make my skirts billow. So I looked a little bigger than I actually was. But she was, I, I was always gorgeous because she made all my clothes. I was i was so lucky. Yeah.
1: No wonder you were interested in the beginning of your career on a chemical compound that would help people gain weight. Right. When you said right. that. I thought that was interesting now that you say no. that she was trying to make you look a, a little heavier than you were. Yeah. <laughs> interesting.
0: Well, there was... It was really
1: to figure out what
0: nutritional elements, what nutritional mm-hmm. elements were in food, for mm-hmm. people who had sometimes mental issues. So right. we mm. were doing a lot of stuff with chemicals in foods to see how they would uh, affect people who mm-hmm. needed support.
1: So that was wow. a very
0: interesting time too. Yes, Very.
1: Okay, Joanne. I've said my thing. Well, I want to Uh, thank you you both
0: for um, I want to thank you both for interviewing me. I never knew I had so much to say, so thanks a million.
2: Oh, I think
1: we probably go for
2: ours, but um, that's um, what I do want to uh, end up with is a reminder that the Pennsylvania Women's Hall of Achievement, we are a 501c3 organization, which is dedicated to preserving women's history. Educating and Highlighting the Achievements of Women in Pennsylvania. Uh, You can contact us by calling me, uh, Joanne Forrester, President, at 412-440-6969. You can contact Bonnie DiCarlo by contacting her at 412-480-5247. We have a Facebook page. Uh, Pennsylvania Women's Hall of Achievement, which we post and try to highlight various interesting facts about women, not only nationally but locally here. It's amazing what Pennsylvania women have done. Actually, many of the stuff from Nellie Bly to the founder uh, of Pennsylvania, his wife, what, how we have really made history and helped shape this nation. So that's one of our, our dedications. Again, Cecile, thank you. Uh, it was just wonderful well, hearing you talk. Thank you. And, and when this is over, we got to do lunch. <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. I'm ready. <laughs> well,
0: thank <laughs> you so very long. much.
2: Uh, how long do you think the uh, interview was for? Um, we have done 58 minutes out of 60. <laughs> so we wow. Wow. Yeah, and that was Is that what you wanted? Yeah. Yep, perfect. Yep. That was mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes, perfect. Oh, and, uh,
0: boy, I cannot believe that. It. So it, the mm-hmm. timing was perfect. I, I I can only be involved in something for an hour. <laughs> uh, After sure. that, I'm dead.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. wonderful.
0: Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope it all works out.
1: All right, thank all you. Think, and well, stay stay safe, stay safe, with you Bye. You Bye, too. Bye-bye, dear.
2: Yeah. Any last-minute words, Bonnie?
1: Nope. I'm, I'm going to sign you.
2: off. Is that okay? Um, yes, that's fine. We're doing a wrap. Thank you very much. Folks, We, we please mark Bye-bye. your calendar. We're going to be doing a number of things as soon as this uh, situation is over. We're looking for a celebration. It is the 100th year of the passage of the 19th Amendment, and we will not let that go by unnoticed.
1: Right, Bonnie? Absolutely. Actually, we had to postpone our um, anniversary celebration, and we were going to be honoring the League of Women Voters that Cecile has been so involved with, as you just heard. Uh, We had to postpone it because of the virus, and uh, we are planning on rescheduling that sometime in the fall, perhaps late September. So um, please watch the Facebook page and your emails, and um, we will be announcing another date for a luncheon at the Lamont to honor the uh, 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment and also the 100th anniversary of the League of Women Voters here in the United States. So please watch after that, and we hope that we will see you all in the fall. Right, and we will be doing a number of uh,
2: series of interviewing women that have made a significant impact and are featured in our our 2019 and 2020 women's voices, hear them speak calendar. Thank you. Take care, folks. Stay safe and make history.